Nick, it's pretty easy. It's keeping up and not getting distracted by the new shiny objects. You're listening to Buff Speak, the official podcast of the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business at West Texas A&M University. I am Dr. Nick Gerlich, your host, as we meet up with the thought leaders making an impact today. 25 years ago, I was tossed into the digital arena. I just didn't quite realize it at the time how big it would become. Starting with my first online course and a year later, a new course in e-commerce, I felt like I had been given a butter knife to carve a path through a jungle. Although I was gung-ho, I must say that not everyone around me was. After all, we had existing ways of doing things, from teaching classes to marketing products and businesses. Change can come slowly because it challenges our assumptions about the world and pushes us into very uncomfortable places. But change did come in every regard, and now we find ourselves in a very different world, rushing forward yet trying to figure out which legacy components we need to keep. Our guest today is Brent McClure, General Manager at News Channel 10 CBS in Amarillo. Brent, how do you balance traditional marketing methods with those that are new? And how do you find that magic interaction? Is there a specific percentage to be allocated to each? Nick, if I knew that, that answer, I'd get paid a lot of money. There's always a magic, and that magic is getting results for the client. You know, there's three basic marketing principles, no matter if it's traditional or digital, you have to follow. You have to create the right message. You have to target the right people. And you have to have the right frequency of those people seeing that message to where they respond. And, you know, you talked about methods. I would redirect the word instead of methods being platforms. So should all marketing activities be done together, meaning old and new methods? Or should they be done by separate departments and individuals who meet occasionally to make sure they're on the same track? Uh, it's probably three questions there, Nick. Um, you know, mixing the old and the new is definitely something you have to do based on what you want to accomplish. If I'm selling 20 products at $5, I have to figure out what budget works for that and what the result is. Um, we call them Lego pieces in our building, is what Lego pieces get the result for the clients. And as long as you're client-focused and driving results, not just selling a product that you know how to sell, I think you're going to do fantastic in that. And that's going to get you constant business going forward. And using them together works great. Um, two different departments. Yeah, they're specialties because they know how to execute things differently, but they absolutely have to meet regularly, not every now and then, to make sure that the messaging and the, the desired results are being met. The most popular ad on this year's Super Bowl, at least in terms of consumer engagement, was the one by Coinbase. The entire spot featured a QR code dancing across the screen like the old DVD logo. What are your thoughts on this marriage of old and new methods and without any words? It's fantastic. It got your attention, right? It had results. Absolutely. TV and traditional media, as, as, as you would call it, drives digital media. Twitter didn't fail until they went on an award show and Ellen told everyone to go to Twitter and Twitter crashed at that point. Traditional media drives traffic to digital. Digital is where you can track it, you can get interaction, and you have an ask. 
right there that they can act on. Traditional media is the driving point, though. I don't know if you knew this, but Google spends 75% of their marketing budget on television. Facebook spends 80% of their marketing budget on television. It says volumes when digital people, digital companies that sell advertising on their platforms buy traditional media and broadcast to drive their message and their business. Well, the success of that ad speaks volumes about the uh, the benefits of traditional media because there we were on primetime television during probably the most important telecast of the whole year, and suddenly there was this ad with dead silence and a QR code just moving across the screen, and 21 million people hit on that website that night. It breaks through the clutter. We forget marketing, no matter what, has to stand out. And the, the more clutter is going on, the more you have to be different. Just because we've opened up numerous digital platforms for advertising doesn't mean that companies suddenly have twice as much money to spend across all of them. What has been your experience locally regarding percentage spent on broadcast versus digital? Nick, we service 800 clients on a regular monthly basis, and that question is different or the answer is different for each one of those clients. Um, you know, certain products move only when people see them. If I could see a cake, I buy it much easier than a little display ad on a mobile phone. I inquire about it, right? It's about the product you're selling, the action you desire, and you go forward. We now have most of those, 50% of our clients do both. They have a mixture. Those other 50% on us are traditional broadcast because they know what to expect. They know how to measure it and go forward. I think the constant question is, is what is the most efficient way to get that result you're seeking? After the break, we'll take a look at the academic side of digital business and the skills that are needed in the marketplace. There's a reason why our programs are rated so highly by independent reviewers. We are committed to continuously improving what we do. Whether it is in the classroom or online, the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business strives to stay ahead of the curve, not behind it. Join us in the classroom or online and see the difference. We're WCSB accredited and among the most elite business schools around the world. Reach for the stars and do it with a WT business degree in hand. For more info, find us online at wtamu.edu slash cob or call 806-651-2525. From the Texas Panhandle to the world, we are here to help you reach for those stars. We are in the process of developing and gaining approvals for a brand new multidisciplinary undergraduate degree in digital business. It will bring marketing, computer information systems, general business and communication together in a joint effort to prepare students for the modern era. Brent, what do you think of the vital skills that aspiring digital business students need before seeking employment? Man, Nick, you're, you're the expert in academics. You know, a lot of the degree programs, I don't even know what the classes are in them. So to, to, for me to speak into your expertise, it's probably a little outreaching. So I'm going to divert just a little bit, I think, to your the last question is the skills they need. The thing that I see missing when I'm interviewing people and bringing in people to our marketing team is they have a very vague knowledge of business and marketing basics. How do you get the message put together? How do you write well? 
and, and how do you build on those elements instead of just teaching the techniques of how to buy an SEO program in Google and having what to know how to search Google AdWords? Those are the easy things to me. Understanding the concept of what real marketing is and that you have to deliver results if you're going to do marketing for anyone long term. So based on around those principles, the classes, I would say, need to be focused on the big picture and then narrow it down based on what their strengths are. And how much do you prefer to have an incoming employee just a little bit green and raw and trainable in your own way? I love it. If they have great new ideas also that are coming from the university or coming from outside experience, that's even better. Um, work ethic, definitely, and you've heard this over and over again. If I can have someone that has work ethic and good integrity and they're social enough to be friendly, you know, friendliness goes a long ways too because you have to be able to work together. These are soft skills, I guess you would call it, right? Um, but those technical skills of how to buy AdWords, it's great. If they're intelligent, they'll get it. We can walk them through that. If they're already being taught from your, the university level, that's even better. Is it better for a student to be a generalist in all things digital or focus on one or two things? Nick, I think you have to give them both. Um, some of the classes definitely have to set the base work and the landscape that they're going to be looking at. If they don't know that a tree is in a forest, they can't really understand the value of that one tree, if that analogy makes sense. I was taught in music and how to record music. I wanted to record songs, but before I knew how to do that, I had to also understand what the audio board was, what microphones were used for what thing, and I had to understand, understand the basic of what, how to capture music in its pure essence, and then go down to the nitty-gritty of you know what I was good at. And I think the kids will naturally migrate to what they're fascinated in and learn that. And then our goal is to broaden that out so they understand where it fits in the whole picture. There are a lot of certifications out there. Which do you think are the most important for students to be able to put on their resume? I guess there's a couple now that are kind of catching our attention. If they're Google Ad, um, AdWords certified, if they're search certified, um, Adobe certified, or they know how to edit, they do how to do graphics, um, some of the graphic design stuff, we would assume, because they graduated that type of degree, they're going to have that. We usually ask them detailed questions about how much they actually understand. Um, the thing that goes nicely with it is practical experience. Do they have hands-on doing it, or is it just book smart? If they have practical experience and the, ed and the, the education entity actually gave them practical knowledge, hands-on, how to, how to apply it, that's what we're really looking for. I've been doing this for long enough to have been around since long before social media ever started. Uh, and by the time Facebook was born in 2004, it was primarily the domain of college students. It was only a, a few years after that when older people got involved. But now, here we are many years later, I've noticed a tidal shift in social media usage among primarily my Generation Z students, with fewer and fewer of them using the old standby Facebook, and most with their eyes glued to TikTok. How important is it for digital business students today to be versed in all of the platforms? 
I would say very, because it's not what they're interested in. It's they're representing a client and they're hunting for responses for that client's project or product, right? And if you don't know where to go get that demographic, that socioeconomic platform, that, you know, the person in this type of socioeconomic or this age bracket or um, zip code, you're not very good for a client to be a marketer. And that's really marketable skills. We see the same thing. People are fixated on Snapchat or TikTok in the young age because that's they're talking to each other or they're seeing viral experiences there. But when they go into professional world, we're seeing a migration when they start looking for jobs or to connect with professional people. They come back to Facebook and come back to LinkedIn because that's where I am. That's where you are. And if we're the ones hiring them, they need to be able to connect with us. And that's really what they need to process because that's where their, their clients that are going to hire them, that's where a lot of their potential buyers are as well. There's really been a paradigm shift in social media toward, well, shorter and shorter attention span content. TikTok is all about short, extremely short videos, whereas on Facebook, we can go on and on and on, and nobody seems to care. You just quit watching when you're tired. <laughs> how, how does a person, a young person coming out, get that skill to be able to think like an old person now? I don't know. <laughs> they have to know that it exists, Nick, right? That it's a different way of thinking. That's what true marketing is, is to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, you know, study enough of the marketing background of how do I connect to that right person? What do they think? What do they do? What are they looking for? Where are they in the social media or digital world, right? Overall websites. Um, how do I connect with them? How to write the message the right way? Um, you know, it does train them well. I think TikTok does train people well because they talk quicker and they get to the point faster. Some of the things we see on Facebook, like you said, you can ramble on. You miss the point because you get tired of reading. Bullet points are very good marketing. Get to the point fast. What types of jobs might these graduates expect to find, especially jobs that did not exist 10 years ago? There's more and more people like you and I that don't, you know, we're, we're specialists. We understand this field. Most people don't. They know how to sell the stuff. They know how to represent their store. And maybe it's a hospital administrator. They know how to do that. But they don't know how to connect of, and express value. You know, there's, in, in marketing, there's a term called promise of value. That's really positioning your business is the value you bring to the marketplace. If they can't put the promise of value in front of the right audience, they're missing it. So that opens up options for ad agencies to specialize there, digital ad agencies, um, consultants, specialty marketing. Even inside hospitals, we're seeing people try to connect and they're trying to use digital marketing to connect, to put the promise of value to a traditional hospital or then dock in a box, you know, the smaller specialty places. We're seeing a huge growth, too, in recruiting is in the HR department. You'd be amazed at how they're looking for digital marketing or marketing students because the newspaper's not there, Nick. Right? You and I went to the newspaper to find a job. We circled it. We made the call. We went on. Now there's all these job boards out there, but there's hundreds and thousands of them. How do I get the attention of that person that I want to apply for my job? Digital marketing is huge. In our industry, we're 
working with quite a few clients and having great results. And a lot of the techniques we're using are digital marketing. When we come back, we'll dive into the 1990s when an entirely new type of camera changed the way we take pictures, along with the role of apps and streaming. The MBA is the most popular graduate degree in the United States and with good reason. It leads to better jobs, promotions, and salary increases. At the Paul and Virginia Engler College of Business at West Texas A&M University, our MBA program is entirely online for when you're ready to make that move. With as few as 31 credit hours and specializations offered in five areas, you can fast track your career in as little as 18 months. Whether you're looking for a promotion or initial job placement, you'll stand head and shoulders above the competition. And because we've been teaching online since 1997, we're not the new kids on the block. Trust your education and career to dedicated faculty who are not only experts in their fields, but also old pros in the online arena. Our consistently high rankings say it all. A GMAT waiver is available. We're AA CSB accredited and among the most elite of business schools around the world. Reach for the stars and do it with a WT MBA in hand. For more information, find us at wtamu.edu slash cob or call 806-651-2500. From the Texas Panhandle to the world, we're here to help you reach those stars. Brent, I bought my first digital camera in 1996 and uh, thinking that it was the greatest thing since, well, of course, sliced bread. I put away my film and old cameras and started shooting with reckless abandon because suddenly memory was cheap. While they were initially expensive, the price came down quickly until the point that many people carried one in their pocket or purse. But then a new phenomenon emerged, citizen journalism. Suddenly, a growing number of people had the means of capturing the news as it was happening, and they were able to effectively scoop the media. Once smartphones were introduced in 2007 and we had social media and YouTube for posting our stills and videos, it was too late to rein in this force. How have you adapted to embrace this phenomenon? Well, first, I bought my first digital camera in about 1998. So I was a little behind you, Nick, but I had to buy, you know, a half a gig stick that was very expensive and so forth. But now I would suggest that everyone has one in their pocket because cell phones have cameras on them. Um, the transition for people scooping media or capturing things that are there, they can get it. They can put it on their social media. But the big, the big piece of it is when it catches viral, and it goes to everyone else sharing, right? The biggest way to do that is to get it to traditional media because there's already built-in audiences, a newscast to pick it up. We're open to taking that. What we question a lot is, is it real? Was it doctored? And what is the sources coming from? Because on social media, you can put it up there and put whatever narrative you want on it and edit it to make it look a certain way. And we don't want to do that because our our brand is integrity and telling the truth. And so we're it's a constant battle to figure out how to integrate that. We have services now where you can upload pictures and videos to our website that are shareable. And a lot of times we leave it in that shareable form without taking it to our other newscast. But it's still on our platforms. 
few years ago, I was helping a Buddhist monk as he walked across the Texas panhandle on his way from L.A. to New York City. I sent you a bunch of video clips and stills uh, for your consideration, and, and you used them. Um, in fact, I remember you telling me after that that um, the, the primary Facebook post was one of the most popular ones ever uh, to date in terms of uh, likes and shares. It was crazy, and, and it was even crazier because here we are in the middle of the Texas panhandle, and here's this Buddhist monk uh, in his orange garment getting massive amounts of attention. How often do you use generated, user-generated content, and how has it changed the way you report the news? You know, there's, there's an interaction there. User-generated is kind of a buzzword, it's a little bit fading because now it's user, um, it'd be user interactive. You know, let's go back and dissect the Buddhist story that we did together there. You know, you called me, had a fascinating idea. You're a trusted source. So we knew where it was coming from. We could, you know, tell you, here's what exactly what we need. So we took pictures, right? You wrote a narrative. We put that in a magazine. The story made our magazine, Panhandle Magazine. And then we took the video and the pictures and we, you know, connected with you, you wrote uh, some basic details of it, we put it in our newscast. Then we took the pictures and the video and we propagated it across our Facebook platform and our, our newschannel10.com. Those interactions all together made that go viral because it was different and unique. And you know how to tell a story, Nick. That's what makes a lot of difference, right? Just a picture by itself you know, the, the word, the adage, it'll, t- it'll say a thousand words all by itself, but my thousand words are different than yours. When you put the narrative with it and it's truth and it's based on that and it's interesting, absolutely, we take that user interactive to all of our platforms because we tell the story. You know, we do a two-hour show every morning called The Chat that is across a radio station, our, one of our TV stations, and on our website streamed live every morning, 7 to 9. It's a talk show. We invite people in to talk about what's going on. We interview four to six people every morning for two hours. In its truest form, that's user-generated content. We're just the host to that user-generated content, right? Um, so there's tons of different ways that that is being generated and then propagated across our platforms. We generate 55 hours of news every single week in English and Spanish, that's in broadcast only. And so when you need to fill the content, you're looking for creative stories, and it's highly accepted to use user pictures. Ever since we went to war after 9-11, when we were embedding troops and the video we got back was really crummy, people goes, I would rather have crummy video than not have video at all. And so it doesn't matter if it's shot in portrait, landscape, whatever it is. If it's the cool thing, we're going to use it, and we have your permission. It's almost like you've uh, totally flipped the table. Now you've got the ability to have an exclusive. You may not actually have a reporter in the field. Everybody else is your reporter. And if you're the one who gets the picture or the video, you've got bragging rights over everybody else. Um, Like during storm season and people are out chasing tornadoes, if you've got the live feed and the other stations don't, you've one-upped them. Absolutely. It's, it's about having the content, but it's also about getting it into the marketplace the best way. 
And that best way can be across 10 different platforms all simultaneously. You know, in storm season, we switched last year to where we're streaming five and six hour sessions at a time because when the storm chaser goes out, we, we start then and go. So the guys that just love weather and they love watching, they're just watching us. And that's the one storm chaser. Our meteorologist jumps in and out and narrates. It may be our tower cameras everywhere else. It may be user content that people submitted. Here's damage in Borger as the tornado went through and went, or it's going this way over to Perryton, right? So we're tracking that across multiple things, multiple pieces, and doing cut-ins on TV. So it's using the platforms, integrating content into those platforms, and it's really marketing in its truest fashion, is you have to put the content out there, but then you have to market it and get it to the marketplace and let people know. Yeah, I think back to uh, a storm recently in central Texas and somebody driving along with a, a dash cam happened to capture video of a Texas teenage boy in a red pickup truck rolling it because of the tornado and happened to land on his feet, his tire feet, if you will, um, and then just drove off as if nothing had happened. That video was crazy. It went viral certainly across the country and probably around the world. And whoever had first dibs on that obviously got the most value out of it. Well, they got high value in the market, the local marketplace. The highest value is the person that showed it off, like, um, like a shiny object, going back to that, is who screamed the loudest and said, I have it, I have it, I have it. Because some of the highest shares were on Facebook pages, not in Central Texas, because it was fascinating content. And they had the audience develop the eyeballs, if you might say. Um, they had the eyeballs there, so when they put it in front of them, they absorbed it and shared it even faster than a smaller station that could have been or a smaller entity that could have had it first. I have two of your apps on my phone. How many does your station have these days, and what role do apps play in your digital strategy? Okay. Appreciate that. I'm glad you have both of those on there. Um, we have actually three but I don't expect you to have the other one because our, that's our Telemundo app, unless you speak Spanish all of a sudden. Um, but we have three apps in the play. Those are, um, I would consider that phone real estate. We want your phone real estate. If you download it, we have a little icon there with our branding right there on your thing. It makes it easy to go to our content. Um, so it's, it's a gateway, Nick, is how we use it. It's there as a reminder. We market them to download it, so it makes it easy to use us. You know, we have a News Channel 10 news app that is news and sports and stream. We stream a lot of content through there, a lot of video content. And then we have our weather app, which is dedicated 100% to weather. And there's interactive radars on there. There's live video that we put up every day. And then we do storm ch chasing. You, you can just click right there and watch the storm chase right on your phone. So it's really an easy portal or a gateway to get to our content. That's what apps are. We're seeing a movement, though, to where... You know, the browser on the phone and, and bookmarking, like you used to call it on your desktop, um, is incredibly important also. And a lot of people just have the Channel 10 uh, mobile website up in their browser and they never shut it. And so they just open up that little browser, whether whatever device it is, Safari or, or your Android, um, and it just comes up to us. So that's kind of another step on your phone real estate that we want to occupy. Well... I, I will attest to the power of those apps, especially weather. You know, we, we obviously live in a crazy place when it comes to weather. Um, yeah. 
the wind is always doing something insane and the storms are often not far behind in terms of uh, intensity. And what I, what I like about your weather app especially is that it lets me know not just when I'm here that lightning has been detected in my area, but I could be in Florida and I get the same warning, not just for at home, but if I'm wherever I am in Florida. Right. It adapts to where I am. It, it knows. It's, I guess it's tracking me, if you will, because it is. Mm-hmm. And so I am getting weather updates from Amarillo, Texas for wherever I am. Or you can change it to where if you're in Pensacola, you could get alerts for there because you want to be safe while you're traveling, right? Um, anywhere in there, you can configure it however you want, and then you can reconfigure it when you get home with a couple clicks. That's the, the intelligence of an app because we can pre-program options in it so you can set it and reset it to use it. Um, there's, there's huge benefits there. There's a lot of views there as well because a lot of people will go back to it multiple times in a day, especially on a severe weather day. Well, I, I also remember not long ago there being uh, a fire because that's another crazy thing that happens here. Uh, and I was getting the live push notifications mm-hmm. on my phone. And I was able to determine where the fire was and quickly figured out it was nine miles northwest of my house and heading in my general direction. That's unsettling. It's really unsettling when you're not home. Right. And so I was able to follow along and also alert others like, you know, you might want to keep an eye on things or, you know, be prepared to grab a hose and some buckets and see what you can do. Right. Fortunately, you know, it was all under control and after a while. But that ability to stay plugged in, no matter where I am, is something that we could not really have begun to picture 10, 15 years ago. No. And it goes back to the old adage too, Nick, as content is king. If we have the content and we withhold it from you, we're not doing our job. If we have the content and we're pushing it out to you to a push notification, a Facebook post, a breaking news alert, however we need to get to you, that's our job from a content creation side, right? And we know if we content create at a high level, we're going to have a number, a high level of eyeballs interacting with us. That goes hand in hand with digital marketing or traditional marketing because we can put an ad message right in front of that content or around that content or adjacent to it, wherever, right? Because if you're watching the fire, what's what else is on the app or on our website? There's ads around it that could be positioned. Um, they could be safety apps. They could be fire extinguisher apps. They could be call emergency apps or, or, or ads, right? And those things are important. Informing the community is what a news station is supposed to be about. That's what our FCC commission is. The digital marketing or marketing side of it is putting other people that want to capture the attention of those eyeballs is very important. And that's just a key marketing. We're just in a fortunate position to create a lot of content and be able to resell that content or adjacency to that content. Breaking news, whether it's local or state or national, is uh, routinely pushed through those apps and your social media pages while it's happening. And followers can consume the news in real time. I do it all the time. Are you afraid of losing eyeballs on the 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock news? Absolutely not. People love knowing right then what's going on. They also love, if they missed it, they know where to go get it. 
Our job is to be the content king and give it to you fast, give it to you right now, keep you safe. But our job is also to, after the fact, recap what were big things that happened, what we could do to prevent it, who did a great job preventing it or saving like your house from the fire, right? We need to tell that story as well because there's a human side to it. We're not going to do that during breaking news. We're going to do that after that in the newscast. And then the newscast also are looking forward to what's coming up, community events, other news items, you know, who are looking for, right? Most wanted, whatever. Whatever the news is good or bad, it's there. And there's unique content elements that we've developed for every newscast that are only available in those newscasts. And so it's two different strategies. When you, I think when you limit your, your thinking to be one thing and so narrow, you lose focus on the whole. With CBS corporate streaming many of its shows on its own subscription service now, it's almost like they've become your supplier as well as your competitor. From time shifting with VCRs and DVRs to streaming services and recently a whole lot of cord cutting, it has to be hard maintaining relevance among so many competing platforms. What are you doing to maintain relevance in a changing media landscape? The question's a great question. How do we stay relevant? I think we stay in those platforms. We stay where we're going, right? And we continue to support and push where our products are valuable. So on the CBS network, um, so this is my 30th year in the business. So what I've seen constantly over and over again is the power of a news on a station and the brand of a, the newscast on a station makes or breaks the network. Let's just say from without, you know, cause casting rocks, just from when I was in Lubbock for a while, I was at an NBC affiliate. NBC there, because of the strength of our newscast, was number one in the market. When I moved here, after three or four years, we strengthened the news to be the dominant news here. CBS was the number one. And NBC here, just an hour and a half north, is number three in the market. The news surrounding it is very important. Um, in that 30 years also, I've heard that TV's going to die because we had cable. Oh my goodness, we have a thousand options. No one's going to watch you anymore. The number one stations on every cable system are the local broadcasters. Ten to one. Um, I've heard we're going to die because it's going to DVR. No one watches live recording or live shows. They DVR everything. Um, now we have streaming. Well, nobody's going to watch you because everyone's streaming. So here's stats that just came out last week, and I don't have the source in front of me, Nick, but... Um, the stats we, cause we study this all the time. Okay. So we call it OTT or stream. The number of hours, the average number of hours consumed per month in the United States as of February or last month, right. Or February this year, um, was a hundred hours per month. That's a lot, right? That's one day per week. One right. whole day per week. Per week. Right. DVR, you record a lot more than you watch. We have to admit that, right? Just in case I want to watch it. The consumption of DVR is now at 48 hours a month. Live TV or normal TV or streaming, right, of a TV channel like our channel on a YouTube TV or something like that, linear TV, 
248 hours a month. It upticked during the pandemic up to 255 because people were consumed with having the latest and greatest. We're still two and a half times streaming consumption. What is that? Five times DVR consumption. And my opening statement was don't get caught up in the shiny object. Yes, they're new. They're great. They're not as proliferate or they don't, they're not as big as sometimes we think it because it's the newest thing. It's getting the highest level of marketing. So it owns our, it owns our brain or the space in our brain and what we think is most important. There's still a high level of consumption of traditional. And how do you recapture the advertising market if people are watching NCIS over on Paramount Plus, for example, and not watching it on live television via your outlet? Well, they can watch it two different ways, right? On demand, so it'd be time-shifted whenever they want to watch it. Um, or they can watch it live when it's on, on, let's say, Paramount Plus. That's actually KFDA or the local Amarillo affiliate because you live in the Amarillo de- the designated market area. So if you're watching CBS on Paramount Plus live, you're actually watching Channel 10. And all those advertisements that people buy on us are served in that stream as well. If it's on demand, um, the local advertising or the advertising units that are there, because the shows are compressed, right? They have less advertising in them. We can actually sell that to advertisers also. Or the national ads can go in there as well. So I could kick back on a Sunday night and try to catch up on some of the shows I missed during the week and still see some local ads. Absolutely. Let's say Nick's Nick's widget store. Nick wants to sell some widgets. And Nick thinks that he's done some analysis on who buys his widget. And they watch an enormous amount of NCIS. And he thinks that they're sophisticated, they're higher echelon, and they're streaming a lot of that NCIS. You may not buy traditional TV. We may just set you up and buy all streaming TV. We can do that. We can sell you those ads. We can sell it on Hulu. Um, you know, those ads you see in there are local a lot of times. We can sell those. So not only in our programming are we limited now to selling advertising, we can sell in extended audience also. That could be streaming, that could be in display ads, that could be everywhere else. It's a complete package that we look at. So a lot of people will buy niche things because that one person knows that one thing well. And then go to another niche person and then another niche person right? We look at it as a team where we have niche specialties, but we look at the overall concept of what you're buying. And that's how we compete with the streaming or delineation of how people view us. And if I'm in a hotel in Los Angeles and hook up my laptop to the hotel television and fire up Paramount Plus, I can still see the local ads, right? Correct. If you're watching the local stream. Okay. If you're watching Paramount Plus with local and you fire up local and I want to watch linear in, you know, a normal stream. You have pause functions and all that, but yes, the, the stream's there. So people are confused a lot by streaming because <clears throat> we didn't have it 10 years ago, like you said, right? So people say, well, when I stream, it's all Netflix, it's all movies. Now, a lot of people watch shows and programming on stream too. You may subscribe to like a YouTube TV. 
when you go to CBS and you watch, say, March Madness, say you watch Texas Tech play March Madness on YouTube TV, you are watching News Channel 10 KFDA with all the local ads and everything else, even though you're streaming. They're just, I guess a simple comparison would be a streaming cable outlet, like your Sunlinks or your Dish or your Direct or anything like that. It's just a different way of looking at it and a different way to serve you based on how you want to do it. So you may have think you you may have thought you cut the cord, but you just bought the cord another way. How has the Texas Panhandle adapted to the digital age? Has there been any resistance, and how are you trying to balance the interests of diverse viewers? The Panhandle um, is a high adoption of digital. You know, I I'm trying to think. Okay, digital. We can talk about user-generated content where they interact with us digitally, how they do Facebook. You know, they adopt to ours as well very fast. So if you look at the population of Amarillo, right around 200,000, right? Our Facebook population and our followers on Facebook is bigger than the city of Amarillo because we're over 200,000 followers in just our Facebook page. The integration of people streaming or cutting the cord, as a lot of the industry would say, is at high adoption rate. Our over-the-air broadcast right now is over 17%. That's growing every year for the last five years because they'll cut the cord and not use cable, but they'll stream services that we provide them also. Our goal is to stay ahead of where they're moving and to make sure our streams and our signals or our niche programming like Texas Panhandle Sports Network. We stream a lot of high school football and high school sports. You know, this year we'll do 126 games streaming. Only 26 of them made traditional TV. Over 100 of them were stream-only available to you. There's been a lot of consolidation in the media business in the last decade, and in the years that I've known you, I know that News Channel 10 has had at least three owners. What do you think the role of the local network affiliate will be in the years ahead? I think it'll be stronger than ever, Nick. The research, we do research every three to four years, and the constant thing that keeps coming up is, you know, especially through the Trump era when there was an attack on just media, and there's still an attack on media. Um, most people are they were saying, when they say, I don't like the media, I'll ask them, do you not like the national media or local? 99.9% .9 say, the national media drives me crazy. And so we do testing based on trust. We want to trust the trust concepts, right? Who do you trust when delivering, when you're accepting news from people? Your friends and family only rate at 21% of high trust. We rank at 40% of high trust. On somewhat trust, we rank at 88%. Your friends and family rank below 50. When you go to the national media, every one of them, as much as you may find your bias that you believe in, are still only trusted around 20 to 24% of the time. Um, so the adoption of a local affiliate, I think our role is even more important to tell the local story and to protect the local audience and keep the local people informed. Like you said, severe weather. A national media can never tell you what when a tornado is going to hit Hereford, Texas, or Canyon, Texas, or when a fire is blowing through Bushland or Fritch, right? That's our role. How much of your digital content is created locally versus shared among your parent company stations all over the country? So a lot of our content comes from our news production, and that is our goal is to have it 85 to 15. If we could do 100% local, if I could afford enough staff to do it, 
and keep everybody busy, we would do 100% local. There's sometimes in Amarillo, there's not enough news to fill 55 hours of local content also with all local. And we would be, we would not be doing our job really to ignore what's happening on the national or the regional platform. And so a lot of our, our local content creation, we try to keep it at 85%. Social media, we probably lean a little more. We use some of the other regional access points that, that are getting high traction or people are interacting with. And that's usually a 70, 30% mix. That 30% um, gets a lot of interaction. We also take a lot of criticism from it because people, you know, they go, well, we don't care. And then they like it and they comment on it. Okay, if they don't care, they need to leave it alone. What do you think will be the next big thing to rock the digital world and how are you preparing for it? So the next big thing is already in the marketplace. Um, the, the jargon code is ATSC 3.0. You're seeing it on all your TVs with a little marker that says next gen TV ready. They're putting chips in all the TVs over 55 inches today. It'll go down from there into smaller sizes. What this does is allow us to, over our air, when we send signal out, it'll be a mix of digital interaction with you. Kind of like if you've ever used DISH or Direct, how you have the interactive guide that pops up, or the cable systems. We'll have interactive guides that pop up from the bottom or the left or the right, and you'll be able to interact. Um, I want to see stories like this, and we'll be able to feed it right to you, almost on demand. We broadcast over the air right now 11 TV stations. We have four of them that we do local commercials in, but 11 streams of content. With, the, with Next Gen, we'll be able to do as many as we want. Like the Texas Panel Sports Network, that could be a whole TV station replaying high school games, um, for instance. right? We could have a 24-7 weather channel. We already have that on our website, but that could be over the air again as well. And that's rocking it because, you know, if I like Nick Gerlich's shirt and I could see this on TV, I may be able to click on that shirt and buy it right there on whatever platform that shirt's available and see the price point of it and so forth. That's coming to your TV. And it's not that far out. We're already seeing the launch of the technology in over 20, 25 markets across the United States. And will there be a revenue share on the sale of that shirt? I don't know. That's all... That's all the next gen, right? Um, that's what's that's what's going to blow up the digital world, as you said. The digital revolution has changed the way we do everything, Brent, from media consumption to pretty much every facet of our lives. It's now time for the parting shot. Our guest today has been Brent McClure, general manager at News Channel 10 in Amarillo. Give us your best shot, Brent. The merger's coming, Nick traditional and what you call digital are all fading into one blend and understanding traditional marketing is going to be the most important thing out there just how marketing works and then utilizing all those tools so that's what's coming you've been listening to buff speak from the paul and virginia angler college of business at west texas a&m university our executive producer is Justin Lovell, and Allison Hunter is our associate producer. Our co-editors are Maverick Evans and Paul Torres. Lindsay Bjork is our director of marketing and outreach initiatives, which includes overseeing BuffSpeak. Dr. Jeffrey Babb is director of accreditation and is our technical consultant. 
Finally, Dr. Amjad Abdullah is Dean of the College. You can find us online at wtamu.edu slash cob for more information about our programs. Be sure to check out our many academic offerings. Come for the quality, stay for the small classes, affordable tuition, and friendly approachable professors. And look online at our faculty blog, profspeak.com, for more insights. You can listen to BuffSpeak on your favorite podcast portal, as well as on our website, buffspeak.biz. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't be afraid to share us with your friends, colleagues, and family. Word of mouth has always been the best form of advertising. Until next time, love one another. For the Paul and Virginia Engler College of Business at West Texas A&M University, I am Dr. Nick Gerlich. And as always, go Buffs! Buff speak.